0: Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaVerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you.
1: Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaVerge on Faith Radio.
0: It's gonna Do you know a worry wart? Who comes to mind when I ask that question? Do you know a worry wart? A pessimist? A person who tends toward habitual worry? Like, who comes to mind? Who comes to mind when I ask, Do you have a worry wart in your life? Is it you? (sighs) I'm Carmen LaBurge. This is Mornings with Carmen. Uh, we're going to bring the mind of Christ to bear on the headline news of the day, but first we're going to get ourselves into the Word of God. Where in the Word are you? We've got to get the Word of God into us that um, it can fill us up because the world's going to squeeze us today. There's no doubt about it. The world is going to put the squeeze on you today. And so what's going to come out? Well, what's going to come out is what you're full of. So what are you full of? I want you to be full of the grace and truth. Of Jesus Christ, I want you to be full of the Holy Spirit. I want you to be full of the Word of god when When the enemy squeezed Jesus right after his forty days in the wilderness, he has this confrontation with the devil um, when you know when the world and worldly wise the enemy puts the squeeze on Jesus what's comes out Well, the Word of God, the Word of God, so let 's get into the Word of God that the Word of God can get into us before we get out there into the world that God so loves we're going to Talk for a moment here about worry warts. Do you have one? Do you know one? Is it possible you are one? So when I was a tween, I don't have a an exact like age marker for this, but my grandma died um when when I was uh twelve or thirteen. So this is when I'm maybe like eleven. So I'm gonna describe myself as a tween, because you know, once you're in those double digit, you you to definitely think of yourself more highly than you ought. You know, you're not a kid anymore, right? So I'm going to say when I was a tween, I had a planter wart on the bottom of my foot. Um, it was irritating. It was painful. Uh, I didn't know then that a planter's wart is caused by an infection. And eventually uh, I had to go to a podiatrist who had it because it like it, you know, the one wart became more than one wart. It was this terrible, horrible, painful thing on the bottom of my foot. Um, And it was inhibiting me from playing softball. Well, and it was just gross. Okay. So eventually I went to a podiatrist who had to, who like cut it out. It was a terrible experience. Terrible experience. Warts are not something to be celebrated. Warts are ugly. They're sometimes painful. um, And they fund, I found out, a half a billion dollar wart treatment industry in America alone. Every year, Americans are spending more than half a billion dollars trying to get rid of warts. So if you're a worry wart, if you are the pessimist, hobbling the body of Christ, causing us pain in the bottom of the foot because, we're infe- because it's an infection, right? Constantly focusing on the negative and obsessively verbalizing your worries. Well, today's invitation is an offering from the great physician. God wants to actually offer you a cure for your worry. And it starts by turning your full attention away from the world and toward the kingdom. So today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from Matthew chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, and it is to the worry warts out there. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So here's a very simple practice that my grandmother, who I referenced just a minute ago, which is why the timing thing mattered when I shared it just, just a minute ago and you were like wondering why she mention her grandmother and how old she was. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. It's, it's coming around. That's coming around in this part of the conversation. Um, my grandmother taught me this very practical lesson when I was 10 or 11. Uh, maybe it'll help you if you need help rooting out the wart of worry in your life. So we were taking a walk around the neighborhood where I grew up in Tampa, Florida. It was basically like a big oval with two roads that cut through the middle of the oval, if you can visualize that. Now, those roads that cut through the middle of the oval were not straight. They were more like those, like, wavy lines that you would draw on the side of an Easter egg, right? So they were were roads that cut through the middle of our oval, but they were windy, windy roads. Anyway, as we walked around the perimeter of the oval, because that was what we always did, my grandmother asked, you know, about school. She asked about softball. She asked about friends. She asked every once in a while while I was limping, which is when the wart came, uh, came, came into the conversation. Anyway, um, I don't remember that my grandmother said very much. I mean, I remember that I talked a lot at that point. I know that's a shocker to you. Anyway, um, at some point, she, like, turned around, and she started heading in the opposite direction. And I didn't say anything because I just figured that she was heading back home, that for whatever reason, we weren't going to go all the way around the Oval today. And then a few minutes later, she turned around again. Now, that's when I stopped. Grandma! Why do you keep turning around? I thought this was a walk around the neighborhood. We've already covered this part of the road twice. She smiled. She kept walking and she started talking. She said, yes, Carmen, we have covered this part of the road. Three times now by my count, and we're going to keep going back over it again and again as long as you keep telling me the same things. What if we turn around one more time and this time... You use that as an actual change of direction, an opportunity to change the direction of your thinking, change the direction of your mind. Do you know that you can think about different things and you can think differently about the things you're thinking about? I remember stopping cold dead in my tracks. Grandma Benefield blew my mind that day. I remember I just stood there. I stared at her. she like expanded exponentially in my worldview. Like she got huge in my presence. Everything around us receded to the background. God used my grandma to change what was in the foreground of my mind. All of these quote unquote worries. I realized that we were standing at one of only those like two real intersections in my neighborhood And Grandma talked about how you can change your perspective by looking at things and looking at people and looking at yourself from God's perspective, how you can seek first the kingdom of God. And you can stop worrying about the things of the world because, you know, God's got it all in his hands. And she helped me develop this muscle of a worry-less life. Would you like to have a worry-less life? Well, you can do that by seeking first the king and the kingdom. That's also when my grandma, for the first time in my memory, turned down one of those streets that cut through the middle of Culver Bayou. She wanted to help me change the scenery of my mind um, by helping me see that God makes a new way through those things that sometimes seem like there's only one way around. Maybe you need to disrupt an old repeated pattern today, something you've been doing over and over and over again that's causing you worry And you need to cut a new path through the middle of it. Um, Yeah, I have so much more to say about this, but our friend Than Bennett is going to join us here, and we're going to talk about um, some of the headline news of the day and bringing the mind of Christ to bear. So let's let's leave this right here, and let's come back to this a little bit later. But I want to get you thinking about the fact that you can think differently about the things you're thinking about. First of all, you can think about different things. You can change your mind. You can change your perspective. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Everything else, everything else, God's got it. Tomorrow's going to have enough worry to worry about then. Don't worry about tomorrow today. Just walk with Jesus today. Take a trip around the neighborhood and ask Jesus to help you see things from his perspective. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. Our friend, Than Bennett, is going to join us next here on Mornings with Carmen. Our friend Than Bennett is back. He's the host of The Equipped here on the Faith Radio Network. You can listen to that Saturday at 4 p.m. Central. You can also listen to it anytime at MyFaithRadio.com or on the Faith Radio app. He also um, produces something called The Equipped Newsletter, and you can find that at fanbennett.com or TheEquippedNewsletter.com. Than, good morning. Welcome back.
2: Carmen, my friend, how are you on this fine Friday morning?
0: It is a fine Friday morning. It has finally stopped raining where I live. How are you on this fine Friday morning?
2: I'm doing well. We actually had a lot of snow this week, which I absolutely love, but it has it has transitioned to rain here to rain in like sixty five degrees. So I don't like that quite as much, but still fine Friday morning,
0: yeah, it's it's a little bit we are in weird weather, but I don't know. I think we live in weird weather, so there you go. Um, all right. so no matter where you live, <clears throat> you need the counsel of God. Let's talk about council over counsel. So there's a council that's spelled with a C I L and a council that's spelled with an S E L. Mhm. Help me um help me hear what you're saying here.
2: Well, I would just I was chuckling to myself as I was listening to your lead-in in the last segment, Carmen, because it's just so on point and consistent with the message of the true this week, which is the difference between Council C-I-L, which is a noun, and Council S-E-L, which is a verb. And maybe, maybe let me just set it up this way, because you were talking about maybe breaking some habits to seek first the kingdom of God. I actually am encouraging people to build a specific habit to do that same thing, Carmen. And that habit, it, do, it doesn't have to look exactly like the, the habit that I've been forming, but the way that I have done this— is at the beginning of every day and before important meetings or before having conversations like this one with you, Carmen, what I will do is I will just get on my knees and I will pray this very simple prayer. I will say, God, I am here, I am yours, and I'm listening. And there's there's nothing magic about those words, but in the in the moments that follow, I, I literally just do that, Carmen. I just listen. I still myself, and I ask, "What is it that God wants to speak to me and through me in these moments?" And um, maybe just let me tell you what He said this morning as I as I got on my knees and asked for His voice to speak into this conversation. He reminded me also of the Sermon on the Mount. He reminded me of Matthew five twelve, where it says. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. And Carmen, the, the circumstances of this world are often challenging, often challenging, but the creator of the universe desires our proximity to Him, desires our communication with Him. And so we should rejoice no matter what those circumstances are. And so to come full circle, the difference between the counsel, which is a verb, S-E-L, the counsel of God, that's like the advice of God, the wisdom of God. And Carmen, that's a, that's a wonderful thing. That's a, that's a powerful thing. We should want the counsel verb of God. But the counsel of God, C-I-L, the noun, it's the one that Jeremiah talked about in, in chapter 23 when he said, but which of them has stood in the counsel of the Lord to see or hear his word? Who has listened and heard his word? That was, that was the noun counsel. And Jeremiah was using that to determine which of the prophets were true and which of them were false. And Carmen, I, I think it's that authority of God, that predecision to say that whatever God says to us, we will take that as authority and we will act on it. We, it's seeding authority to God. It's that counsel of God that we need to be asking for Him each and every day. And so, I, I just encourage folks: build that habit. It doesn't have to look like mine, but but but. Make a pre-decision to listen for God's voice, to still our voice, and to still the noise around us so that we can hear Him speak into us. And just make a decision that you are going to follow that counsel, that authority of God, no matter what He whispers to you.
0: I'm thinking, um, Fan, that we could take one more step, and that would be to acknowledge that the Holy Spirit, who is the Counselor, who is full time not just standing in the council of god but one of the 3 mm. in the council of god um that we could recognize that the holy spirit as the counselor is available to us like right now internally and can and can bring us by one degree of glory to another more into conformity with christ like we can be brought into um an understanding of the, the counsel of God, because the counselor actually does live within us and, and wants, wants us to see and understand and hear God.
2: That is so good Carmen, and it, it it underscores the reminder that we can do this anywhere right we can do it even in, in a large crowd because that that holy Spirit lives within us, it becomes a partner with us. it is how the it is how the nature and the character of God gets in, intertwined with us i I'm so appreciative of that reminder. I I, I will tell you, um, I think we walk in that better if we have made an intentional decision at the start of the day in our prayer Mm -hmm. closet to actively seek Him out. And, you know, I... I, I won't go all the way into this, but I did write in the newsletter that I I think the best way to stand in the counsel of God, like Jeremiah said, is that actually to kneel in His presence. Right? It's a it's a physical posture that says, "I am yours, God. I will walk out what you have for us." But you're right; it's not like we it's not like you leave the counsel of God there in that quiet moment. The, the Holy Spirit, the Counselor, uh, goes with us because that is that is who God sent to to help us in this journey. That was his his primary gift to us when Jesus uh, returned to his side. So I, I love that addition. Thank you.
0: Yeah, no, and that is so good. I think that the posture um, conversation is a really, really helpful one because it helps us to do something physical, to change, you know, to change direction, to do to to do something physical, um, to put us in that place where we can sort of acknowledge that, hey, it's not all about this world. It's not what's happening here and now. Like, God's Over this. He's in it. Um, Yeah. So he's got a view on it that I don't have. Right. So I love the posture, um, the posture part of this conversation. Again, we are talking with Dan Bennett. He is host of The Equipped. He also offers The Equipped newsletter theequippednewsletter.com. I'm happy to send you the direct link to what we're talking about today and particularly this lesson on counsel over counsel because when you read it, you see the CIL and the SEL a little bit more clearly and we want you to um, to understand this. So I'm happy to text you that link. Just shoot me a text at 877-933-2484. Having discussed um, and having uh, gotten our hearts and minds around um, uh, around the truth of who God is. And um, we're going to now pivot to how we bring the mind of Christ to bear on some of the headlines of the day. So more with Than Bennett and The Equipped in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, host of Mornings with Carmen. I got some good news for you today. Jesus Christ is the good gift of God to each and every person. We heard the proclamation of Christmas, that there's this good news of great joy for all people. Well, guess what? That means you. Jesus is the good news. He is the gift of God given at Christmas. And maybe you're saying, I don't feel so good. I haven't really received this sense of good news. Well, we would invite you to wake up to the goodness of God with 40 Days Toward Healing and Wholeness. It's Susie Larson's brand new book. Our friends over at W Publishing gave us a 100 copies for Christmas to give away to you. So we'd invite you to enter to win yours now at MyFaithRadio.com. Wake up to the goodness of God, 40 days toward healing and wholeness, because Jesus really is the good news and the great joy for all people. Connecting Faith to Life, Faith Radio. Fan Bennett is with us from The Equipped. It's a program here on Faith Radio that you can uh, listen to not only when it airs on Saturday afternoons at 4 p.m. Central, but you can listen to it as a podcast anytime at MyFaithRadio.com or on the Faith Radio app. And also, I think Fan Bennett is going to be guest hosting Afternoons with Bill Arnold next week. Is this true?
2: This is true, Carmen. I will be filling in for Bill next week, and I heard a little rumor that there might be a certain morning host joining for an hour of that. Is that true?
0: I can hardly wait. I can hardly <laughs> wait to be your guest on Tuesday afternoon from 4 to 5 Central Time. I can, so, ha- I can hardly wait. I have a whole list of things that I want you to ask me about that I would like to talk about, but you know, nobody ever asked me. So yeah, there you go.
2: That's actually what I was going to ask you. Do you have a mm-hmm. list of things to talk about? Because if you do, Carmen, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you about some of those, and then I'm going to ask you about some totally other things.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. That's what I do. I mean, you know, I know. It's, going to be your, it's going to be your show, even though it's Bill's show, and uh, yeah, it'll be your show, and I will be your guest on your show next week, and that will be super fun.
2: I'm Roll so reversal. looking forward to it, looking forward to what God's going to do.
0: I'll say, OK, so in um, this uh, week's issue of the Equipped Newsletter, when you start unpacking um, the, you know, some of the headlines, the challenges that we're facing, particularly here in the United States, one of the things that you address is what's happening on the campaign trail. We might be already more or less at the end of the nominating process. Um, I'd like for you to jump into the analysis and eternal perspective, if, in fact, we do end up um, in what's going to be a very long um, road to uh, to the election of the next president, because it looks like a rerun of the last time we did this.
2: Yeah. So the campaign season is always long. It always feels long. But you're right, Carmen. I mean, unless something changes, which that, that that's a pretty big caveat in politics, because things change all of the time, to- all of the time on a dime and, you know, just just things happen. So this could change. But it certainly looks like uh, we're in for a rerun of the 2022, uh, the 2020 elections between President Biden and former President Trump. It looks like the primaries are all but over. And so the the eternal perspective that I tried to bring in the equipped this week really has to do with the conversation that we just had, which is what is the proper posture for a follower of Jesus to engage in? You know, a very divisive moment that it sure looks like that is going to be. And um, you know, I, I think I think maybe the two sides of this coin might surprise some people because I. I have said probably on your broadcast before, I have certainly said many, many times before, I, I want to remind people that this, this freedom to vigorously engage a democratic process, that includes debate, it includes dissent, it includes disagreement, it includes robust free speech. Those, those things are, are blessings of liberty, Carmen, and they should be Jesus, followers of Jesus. I think, I think the, God's word is clear that we should engage those things. However... Our posture as we do that it must look different than the the division and the uh, almost hatred that you're going to see in the election season of head, uh, ahead. We we need to model an ambassadorship of Jesus, and if we're if we're going to walk that out in a way that looks like Jesus, we need to be loving well. We need to be coming alongside our neighbors and our and our communities, even if they look different than we do. We need to be doing that genuinely across lines of division. And so, I'm actually. Really excited about this season. And that sounds a little strange, but I just think it is a really unique opportunity and a, a really, maybe even a, a unique moment in history for Jesus' followers to model something different. And uh, the verse that I included in the equipped comes from Esther 4, and it says, And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. And Carmen, we, we are royalty. We carry the royalty of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so as we engage robustly in this blessing of liberty that is airing our differences in order that the, the ones with the most merit would rise, I just want to encourage all of us, let's do it in a way that reflects the name and the fame and the reputation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ.
0: This, um, this eternal perspective on temporal things is critical, and it, it is the perspective that Christians bring to the conversations of the day. And so thank you for the way you walk through not just this, but other headlines um, in the Equipped Newsletter. We don't have time today to unpack all of them because I do want to get to the beautiful. So you, um, one of the things that, that Than does in all of this is he starts with the true so that we're sure we are established in the truth— then we deal with um, what's happening in the world, and we bring the mind of Christ to bear on those things, um, seeking to gain uh, an eternal perspective. And then we, we sure before we walk off that we consider the beautiful. So take us to the beautiful this week.
2: It's always the best part of the newsletter, Carmen, and it's probably the best part of the newsletter because I have very little to do with it. I have, a, uh, I have an award-winning photographer as a wife. She, she focuses in food art and still life photography, and uh, The Equipped is just very lucky to have her contributions each week. She's got an eye for capturing surprising beauty, and so that's what we do. We try to go back into the world from that posture, a posture of sitting in the beauty of God's creation and this week, uh, we talked about it at the, at the start of the broadcast here, how it has been a snowy week. And so, you know, I'm a, I'm a Chicago boy from Illinois. I love the snow. My kids love the snow. We played in the snow. But there's there's nothing quite like coming in from the cold to a, to a warm mug of hot chocolate. If you grew up in a place where there was snow and, and you liked playing in the snow as a kid, you remember this. You remember coming in and what that felt like to have a a mug of hot chocolate coming in from the snow. And so the picture that Brooke includes this week in the equipped is that moment is coming in from the cold in order to be uh, refreshed and warmed up by a a mug of hot chocolate. And it brought to, it brought to my mind first Peter four, which is this, this, this encouragement to engage in hospitality for each other. It says this, it says above all love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. And so it may not be cold. You may not be hot chocolate, uh, need hot chocolate. But Carmen, I think offering hospitality to our brothers and sisters, that is yet another way that we assume the posture of Christ and we offer the character of Christ to those around us.
0: So I want to know who um, who is the person pouring the chocolate? Who is the person pouring the hot chocolate in that picture?
2: That is. We don't see also, their face. Yeah, that that's intentional. That that's sort of yeah. in the in the mold in the style that Brooke shoots, and uh, yeah. that is Brooke herself. And so you know, it's oh, just I
0: like her. Hey, lo, yeah. you can tell her this. I like the strength of her hands in this picture. <laughs> I really I. I I love the strength of her hands. Like what I mean, this this image. I love the use of light and dark. I really do, and shadows and color, but not. It's just it's beautiful. It is be, is genuinely beautiful, but I love the strength of her hands in that this is photograph. So great. Uh, you it's know, stunning. We're, well, first of all, have- it, you can It looks like a it it, it looks like a painting. I right? for those of you who have little appreciation. Um, for beautiful things. And sometimes that's true. I want you to go to the equipped newsletter.com if for nothing else than to see this work of art that is offered in the beautiful, which comes at the end of the newsletter, because this is stunning. It's stunning. You will, you will, if you're like me, you're going to like zoom in with your, with your, you know, computer zoomer, whatever that is. And you're going to be like, look at the strength of her hands. It's
2: just stunning that makes me smile so big carmen because i so agree i don't understand the magic of any of what she does right so i can't explain <laughs> any of the how i don't even know how she photographed herself but i will tell you this i mean this right? genuinely brooks hands have so much care and love in them everything from newborns to our children to the, the goat kids that are on the way on our farm her hands mm-hmm. are strong for a reason they've been put to good use carmen
0: I just, I yeah, I love her already. I hope you'll tell her so. Than, I look forward to talking with you um, next week on your show or the one you're hosting next week, uh, Afternoons with Bill Arnold. I will be on with Than Bennett on Tuesday, but you want to go ahead and get signed up um, to get regularly. You ought to be able to get it. You ought to be receiving it regularly, com and listening to Than on The Equipped here on Faith Radio. Again, I'm more than happy to... Uh, to send you the direct link for this week's Equipped newsletter, just um, send me uh, a text message eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. You are listening to Mornings with Carmen. All righty. Um, I was busy on the text line, so now I'm a minute behind everybody else, so I apologize for that. Our friend Chris Martin is uh, is joining us now. He's a social media expert. He is actually blogging again at chrismartin.fyi, like for your information. He is also the author of Terms of Service, The Real Cost of Social Media, and The Wolf in Their Pockets, 13 Ways the Social Internet Threatens the People You Lead. Chris, good morning.
1: Hey, good morning. How are you?
0: I'm well. So we had, you know, so many people on our text line asking for something that I I might have been slightly distracted for the last couple of minutes. So forgive me. Um, All right. So a lot of folks may have heard about this like fake robocall um, that was that was sent out to voters in New Hampshire. um, And it sounds just exactly like the president. And so I thought this would be a good opportunity um, for us to talk a little bit about, because this isn't just like deep fakes that, you know, some people might see online. This is about something that was pushed out that was fake. And um, AI plays a role in this because it's one thing to be able to create something. It's another thing for just anybody to be able to create it. And it costs really nothing. And then to be able to use technology to push it out to a whole lot of people can you can you maybe just talk with us today about how we guard against falling for lies? Um, and, and you can have as general a conversation or as specific as you want. But I think you know about this, you know, the lies that are out there and the way they're being pushed and you can help us guard against them.
1: Yeah. So for the context context. Uh, Just for anyone who's not aware, because I I frankly wasn't aware of this until you and I started talking about it um, earlier this week. There was a situation, uh, you know, approaching the New Hampshire primary earlier this week where, uh, according to the Associated Press and and others, um, a fake phone call, a robocall, which is a typical, I think a typical election season kind of thing, uh, a robocall went out to... Um, ostensibly uh, encourage people not to cast a vote on on uh, Tuesday in in New Hampshire because it, it wouldn't matter and that they should vote in November instead. Um, and this was, according to experts who are paying attention to this, to discourage Democrats from writing in President Biden's name on the uh, ballot in New Hampshire because he wasn't on the ballot in New Hampshire. So anyway, it was this coordinated sort of attack on the election in New Hampshire, a primary, to prevent, to, for, to interfere with the election, which, like, I feel like almost that phrase has been <clears throat> uh, commodified in a way, like, uh, we've, it's been thrown around so much since 2020. But this was, like, about as clear as an example of uh, attempted election interference as you could have. You have someone who created a fake robot voice of Joe Biden to encourage voters to not vote on voting day. Um, and some people were nearly duped, or, or possibly duped by it. they. Uh, f- officials and authorities who are investigating don't know if they've tracked everyone down who heard it, um, and they're working. That would be kind of hard, and I, th- I think that's probably going to take some time. Uh, but I imagine there's some people who were duped, or at least very close to duped, into not voting who were considering voting because of a fake phone call from the president. And so I think you know, this is a really good example. I mean, a lot of chatter has been going on about AI for the last year or so generative AI which is um, you know artificial intelligences ability to create photos or text or voices videos even and the capabilities are exponentially increasing by the day or at least by the week it feels and this is just another example I've seen I've seen a lot of examples of basically celebrities voices imagine it's really not that hard to imagine if this is seeming a little bit foreign to anyone listening just imagine your siri virtual assistant your voice assistant or your alexa voice assistant instead of having a sort of robotic voice people have fed actual audio from celebrities into these ai tools to where the ai tools can learn the intonations and the voice of these celebrities and assign celebrities voices to text that anyone inputs into an AI application. And so um, this one was mimicking President Biden, obviously, given the context. Um, and I think it's really concerning. In fact, I was in Kansas City this past weekend speaking at a church about social media. And and in part, it was about disinformation on social media and um I, I told the folks at the church in Kansas City, I said, I totally believe, I, certainly this is a big deal going into an election season, um, because it, I think there's arguably no time we're more apt to fall for misinformation, especially if you're passionately in favor of one presidential candidate or another, because if a piece of information comes out about yours or the one that you oppose, you're probably going to be really passionate about that positively or negatively. And that leads us to some when we're super passionate about something like politics, for example, that leads us to um, believe things faster than it, it makes us more apt to being duped than if we weren't as passionate, if we didn't care as much. And so I think going into this year, like I told the folks in Kansas City, I wouldn't be surprised at all if, you know, in when we get to the general election season, if we have Um, You know, some social media story goes viral about leaked backstage audio of candidate a making a terrible comment about the American people or about the candidate they're opposing or whatever else. And everybody believes, you know, the sounds kind of muffled and it sounds kind of garbled or weird. But of course, it's backstage audio. The microphone is basically in this person's pocket. Of course, it's going to sound weird. And that's really just all kind of a cover for the fact that actually this is fake and it wasn't actually captured. But here's the thing. That story would, if you heard that today on Twitter or social media generally, hundreds, thousands, uh, millions of people would believe that's true. And that lie, the fact that it was generated by AI and somebody just is pretending that it was leaked backstage audio from a debate or whatever, would spread so fast Uh, that it wouldn't matter if two days later it was revealed actually uh, that was faked. (laughs) Um, Because everybody who heard it would probably, you know, most of them probably wouldn't hear the correction to the story. This is how these things often go. I I think something like that is bound to happen as we lead up to the general election later this year. And I think this sort of thing, the fake robocall in New Hampshire, is just sort of an ominous precursor and tremor of something maybe bigger that could come down the line this year.
0: Yeah, you you led me to um, what I had taken note of, which is, you know, sometimes newspapers will issue a correction. But the reality is almost nobody sees or reads the correction. Um, And certainly not everybody who read the false information when it was printed the first time. And so this is this is sort of the fast forward into a social media viral world um, the challenge that was faced, you know, a hundred years ago when everybody was reading the same newspaper and the newspaper would print a correction a day or two or a week after, you know, more information was discovered about something that they had um, inaccurately published. So um, that's really helpful. Um, I also thought that when you're pointing out like what makes me more likely to believe a lie um, who, you know, the voice that it comes in, like, I'm there are probably people who I am more likely to believe when they tell me something than someone else. Um, and then, so that's a confirmation bias for sure. But then I am prone to believe bad things about people I don't like or agree with than I am mm. prone to believe bad things about people who I like and who I agree with. And so I do think that hitting a hard pause and asking ourselves, okay, um, is this advancing the truth? Is, it, is this true, first of all? And finding the answer to that question might be difficult in the, in the moment. But I am not going to pass along to anyone else that which I do not know for certain is true. I'm just not yeah. going to do it. Like, that's, a, that's like I, a personal discipline thing.
1: Right. I think the biggest defense we can have going into this year and this is this will you know, you and I probably have some version of this conversation multiple times in the next 10 months or so. But I think the biggest defense tool belt tool we have in our tool belt going into this year is slow down and kind of Mm. even if some even if you see something online that like makes you laugh because it's a funny thing about the candidate you don't like or you see something that makes you mad because it's something about the candidate you do like, and you don't think it's true. Just we, I think we need to slow down and kind of assume stuff we see online. This is a general good piece of advice, but especially going into this year, assume the stuff we see online is fake until we can prove it's true somehow through multiple sources that are, you know, um, that are maybe from different perspectives. I think we need to be incredibly media literate this year, and that's just going to require us to consume content a little bit more slowly than maybe we're accustomed to consuming it.
0: All right, what's the drinking age where you live? The drinking age is now 21 everywhere, but um, if you've been alive uh, any length of time, you actually remember when the drinking age, at least in some places, was 18. What's the uh, voting age? Well, the voting age is... 18, everywhere. Hmm. How about the age you have to be to, I don't know, buy a gun? How about the age you have to be to drive? Again, that one's a little bit more flexible. Some of you got driver's licenses when you were like 14 because you lived on a farm and it was considered a hardship license. Yeah, I get that. How about an age at which um, you have to attain a certain age before before you can legally have a social media account of any kind? We're going to talk next with Chris Martin about this idea that there should be a social media age. Hmm. In the social media age. Yep. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Jesus loves the little children. You guys know that. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. And right now, there are little children in the world who need Jesus. They also need things like basic food and medical care. Jesus tells us that what we do for the least of these, the little ones, we do for him. So this is your time to become the champion of one child, to change their life. When you sponsor just one child, you plant seeds of hope and you work together with people who are on the ground to change the families, the communities, the future. You might not feel like you could change the world, but you can for one child. Meet the kids and find your child at MyFaithRadio.com. All right. Our brother Chris Martin is here, and we're going to talk about the effort to establish a minimum age for young people to have a social media account. But before we do, can you hear the laughter in my voice, Chris?
1: Okay, I can.
0: We have a text line. The text line's open all the time. So sometimes during the breaks, I like scroll. I'm like, what did we miss? What have we not answered? What stuff came in overnight? Some sweet, dear person in the 214 area code, and if you're listening right now, you need to know that all those text messages you were trying to send last night to the person that you were meeting for dinner, yeah, those came to us. There's a reason <laughs> your, per, your person that you were trying to meet never came downstairs to let you in. You were texting us, not them. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Okay. <clears throat> now, <sighs> Chris, the state of Florida is proposing there be a minimum age for a young person to have any social media account, the Florida House of Representatives passed a bill to ban all social media accounts for anyone under the age of sixteen. Can you just talk with us about this?
1: Yeah, I'm interested about I'm interested in this idea. Um, so just so everyone's on the same page, currently I think almost every social media account that exists, or at least the major ones—Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, etc has a sort of minimum age in their rules of 13. So no social media platform. Of course, those aren't legal. Facebook's not going to put the cops on your kid if they get on Instagram when they're 12 or something like that. But these are rules of the platforms that children under the age of 13 should not be using them. Now, of course, children lie about their age all the time on the Internet to get access, especially if their parents don't care. Um, and that's their prerogative, you know, and they do that. Um, but and and that's a reality that these platforms often like to ignore because they they can't really be held responsible for how those preteens interact on social media because it's against their rules anyway. So Florida's ha- state house is proposing a bill to in- effectively increase that age to sixteen and make it a-, a law, not just a rule of the platforms, if you will. Um, so this would obviously be a little bit. Uh, Stricter in in a sense, at least if it were actually able uh, to be practically enforced in some form or fashion, which I think is the the biggest question when considering something like this. But I really like the idea of states, especially states, starting to get involved. Um, So without a doubt, I just mentioned earlier in our previous segment about how I was in Kansas City speaking to a church about social media and uh, another topic alongside. Um, misinformation on social media was teens and social media. There are a lot of parents in the room from this church and um, no doubt the most common question, I think at every church social media event I've ever spoken at the number one question that has always been asked is when should I let my kid have social media? And I always give a sort of cop out answer on that because I I don't think there is a right age. I think there are wrong ages as in before 13, because if the platforms themselves are saying, your kids shouldn't be on before 13, then definitely they shouldn't be on before 13. But, you know, uh, should a kid be on at 15 or 17 or 16 or anywhere in between? I, I don't know that there's a right answer. I think every kid is different. Every context is different and home and everything else. But I like this idea of, generally speaking, governments starting to get involved to support parents. So I think I've talked about with you before. I've certainly written about, especially in light of the new Revelations we have regarding Instagram's blatant disregard and meta more broadly blatant disregard for teen mental health that no one like these platforms, as much as they say they're going to try to protect kids, they're not going to. They're actively um, farming their attention for dollars to the tune of tens of billions a quarter. And so we can't count on these platforms to protect children on social media, um, no matter if they're 13, 16 or 17 or whatever else. So if we can't trust the platforms to really protect children, and if parents are even doing their, even the most astute, aware, social media aware, they know all the research parent feels like they're sort of fighting a losing battle, which I've had dozens of conversations like that with parents over the years, where even if the parent is trying their best to moderate their kid's relationship with social media, you know, you have a a parent in Iowa who is just trying to be a good parent. And that. They're going up against some of the most advanced behavioral psychologists in the world hired by Meta to addict the kid. So it's like, who's going to win? The behavioral psychologist who's going to know how to addict a kid because they know the kid's brain, or the parent who's just trying to tell their kid not to spend so much time on Instagram. The parent's going to have a hard time winning that battle a, a lot of times. And so I, I think I'm I'm not usually one to say, hey, we need more govern, government intervention on X, Y, or Z, but this is definitely a case where someone someone needs to step in and help parents because I don't think parents can really fight this battle on their own um, as much as they want to try and, and, and have failed. And so I think um, something like this now, again, like I said at the beginning, I don't know how practical this is. Like, are we going to start handing out misdemeanors to 15 year olds who have an Instagram? Like, I just don't like, what are we doing? I don't really know how this works, but if we, if we have something that parents can kind of, go to their, you know, if a Florida teen, you know, say this bill passes through and everything ends up happening in two years, if a, if a parent of a Florida 14 year old uh, is being bombarded with requests, Hey mom, can I have an Instagram dad? Can I have an, please, please, please come on. And they can be like, Hey, look, it's against the law. I literally can't give you an Instagram account. That makes their fight a little bit easier. And I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm in, I'm in favor of giving parents, Basically letting parents blame the government, if you will, rather than just having to be the fuddy-duddy on their kid all the time. I just think that would be really helpful for parents.
0: Yeah, and I think, to be fair, um, just as some parents allow their kids to drink underage and and supply ways to make that happen, um, there are going to be parents who are totally, not yeah. going to take the assistance that is offered here. Um, And I was I was in that um, age range of of young people where the drinking age and I lived in Florida where the drinking age changed from 18 to 21. And so my sister, who's only two years older than me, you know, legally could drink at 18. I couldn't legally drink until 21. And so um, there this pain of when the law changes, it does affect a particular bandwidth of people who, for whom it was legal when they, you know, when their siblings were this age, and now it's not for them. And is it hard for parents? Yes. Is it still the right thing to do? Yes. And so, um, let's be supportive of these kinds of efforts as we see them. Uh, um, you know, these discussions beginning in places other than Florida across the country. All right. Um, we don't have time to talk about all that you shared about Captain Mark McGuire's TikTok or Super Mario Brothers Wonder, but I'm happy to send everyone um, the link to Chris's latest thoughts. You can find them at chrismartin.fyi. I'm happy to send that link to you via the text line if you want to text me eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. Chris, as always, thank you so much. Yeah, have a great Friday. What a delight. What a delight. Um, all right. Um, so we have time here because we have one minute. I can do the Friday Farm Report in one minute, or I can at least get it started. It is Friday. I do live on the farm. Um, rain, rain, go away. That would be the Friday Farm Report from where I live. What's happening on the farm where you are? My guess is lots of your farms are now in, like, the permafrost part <clears throat> of the year. And so you, like – uh like those on my farm are, this is the season of what we call mechanicing. All those things that needed doing that didn't get done over the whole course of the year, mechanicing. Mechanicing on the tractor, on the lawnmower, on the mini skid, on the bobcat. There has been a lot of mechanicing. There's also been, oh, you know what? We It's really time to repair those steps that lead up there to that loft. Um, Or, hey, those things we put off all summer and all fall, mm -hmm, it's time to get those done. So this is the season of mechanicking on the farm. What season is it in your life? What are you up to? We are also planning for planting. What are you planning um, for planting? Are you sowing peace today? Mm -hmm. We got another hour together next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support.